Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. With your host, Dapper Data. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? You are listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. This is your host, Dapper Data. I have a crazy experience, very, very important, very, 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 very important (laughs) guest on the podcast today, okay? Um, I can't wait to introduce this person. Uh, As as you all know, I typically discuss a lot of things, very, very technical or high level, right? And my goal is really to introduce everybody to data science, okay? I've spoken to a lot of people about data science over the over the different times, right? We've talked about uh, how data science impacts restaurant owners, how it impacts pharmacists, okay? But we have never touched on the entrepreneurial side of data science, okay? And that is really, really something that I, I specifically focus in on from a, from a business standpoint, okay? A data-driven entrepreneur mindset. And so I want to introduce you to somebody named Alex Sanfilippo. Okay, this person is, to me, he has impacted me on so many levels in the span of what? Has it been like six months? Probably about six months, right? Or or so maybe about six months to a year. Uh, I, th- I think he introduced this uh, this app that I'm going to tell you all about probably in the uh, probably in 2020 timeframe. I think to me, uh, but. Um, I'll, I'll give you a little background before I introduce Alex. And so I had an issue that he solved without even having a conversation with me, right? <laughs> so we didn't even talk about anything. I didn't know this person um, from, from Adam or Eve and and it's like he read my mind, all right? And, and so when I look at it, right, I said, when I look back at the story of how we connected, I said, how, how did I, how do I get guests more guests on my podcast. So I would reach out to people on LinkedIn, Instagram, I mean, social media, you name it. I'm communicating with different people and I would get feedback, right? But it was a crazy manual process, right? And and a manual process, when I think about manual, because as you all know, I'm very technical and I like to change manual to automated, right? I hate manual processes. <laughs> if, I, if I do it enough, I like to automate the process eventually. And so what Alex did was actually automate the process for me, okay, from when it comes down to podcast. And so I got an email. Um, I was assuming that because I'm on LinkedIn, uh, somebody's just spamming me maybe or something like that. <laughs> no disrespect, Alex. I, just, I was assuming that it was a, a spam or something, you know, and um and stating that there was this new website out, right? It's called Podmatch. I'm like, okay, okay, that's great, you know? And it seemed interesting and everyone knows that I like to take risks. But, you know, I thought, hmm, maybe it's not something that's wasting my time this time, right? You know, it's something that clicked to me. And what it was, was that it was something that was AI driven, right? And 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 my guests, they all know I've, I've done a lot of talks on AI, I've done a lot of talks on ML, um, machine learning and artificial intelligence for those that don't know that. And and I and and it really grabbed my attention. I said, man, there's this podcast out there. And I'm sitting there. I do data analytics for some of my clients, 
with podcasts and trying to figure out how to make correlation between that and like the followers on Instagram and things like that. And and when I got this this email, I said, man, it's just something that grabbed my attention. I said, let's let me check it out. And I checked it out. And I'm telling you, it is one of the best creations made for podcasters out there, hands down. Right. I sit there. You can be a guest. You can be a host. I tell everybody about it all the time. You can sign up. It's free to sign up and you sign up for it. And it just does everything for you once you put the information in. Right. It gets your guests for you if you're a host. Right. If you're a guest, it finds a match for you for host. It's 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 like the it's like the heaven for podcasters. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. You know, and so, you know, without further further introduction, I want to introduce you to um, Alex uh, Sanfilippo. San, say hi to everybody, Alex. To have data. Well, first off, hi everyone. But man, that was a great introduction, man. You just made my day. Like I'm, I'm at the. I don't know where you're located. I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. This is the end of my day. But you totally just, you, you made it. So thank you so much. I can go to bed now. I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, Alex, man. So, so, so I sit here. I'm, 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 I'm doing research on you, right? I'm like, who is this guy? Who's Alex, right? And, and I'm like, okay, he started entrepreneurship. At the age of ten years old, right? <laughs> that early, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to me, sure. that's mind blowing because when I was ten years old, I look at my son, right? My son, right now, we just talked about it earlier. My son, he's eleven years old. This guy, all he does is play Roblox. I don't even 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 thought about like the fact that he can be a creator on YouTube, right? For all the the gaming that he does, right? And and so you and and then for me. I'm trying to think what was I doing at the age of ten. I don't know. You know, I, I don't. I don't think I was building a business. I think I was um, um, playing in a playground or something, playing basketball. You know, but uh, but yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Alex. You know, I mean, you you you've had this great journey to where you are now. You know, um, tell tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure thing. Um, thanks again for the platform. I appreciate you having me here. And because you brought up me as a ten-year-old, I feel the need to explain. So I was, I was <laughs> <You> selling, <laughs> I was selling used golf balls in my. I lived across the street in the neighborhood I grew up in uh, from a golf course, and we noticed golfers hitting balls in the water. And I don't know why, I just clicked. I'm like, what if we could sell these to them? And it was uh -huh. interesting. At ten years old, I was, I was a little bit of a different kid. And here's why I say that: I wasn't good at school, and most <laughs> kids at my age, they were decent at it at least. But I also wasn't good at video games. My brothers were musicians. I wasn't a musician. I wasn't much of an athlete. Like I wasn't good at the things that my friends were good at. And right. I did a lot. Of, I'll admit, I was a weird kid because I had this self awareness to realize that I'm different than all of my friends, and not uh -huh. in a bad way. I just realized I didn't have the same skill. But when I found that first golf ball and sold it, I immediately figured out, you know what? I think this is what I'm good at. And mm -hmm. it wasn't even the money I was making. It was more so as a ten year old kid. I liked the structure of it because then I started recruiting kids in the neighborhood to go find golf balls, some to clean them different people to organize them what we should charge for them like going oh to golfing stores to find out that stuff like i enjoyed the business side of it so uh, yeah 10 years old super weird I, i'd probably look back at myself and be like that kid should be somewhere <laughs> locked up maybe but um <laughs> anyway but uh i also did play on playgrounds and did a lot of fun stuff but that was kind of my introduction to the idea of business and entrepreneurship if you will and from there i just really embraced that throughout my entire journey in life and i, I did go into corporate for a while um, but I still had the mindset of an entrepreneur, even in a corporate job. So for me, it's just kind of all went from there and, uh, thoroughly enjoyed my life journey since then. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. You know, and, and that's an interesting story, you know, at that age, because, um, like I said, I don't think that, well, I know me personally, I have not, I did not do that at 10 years old. Right. <laughs> right. I don't know. Most don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
I didn't do that at 10 years old. But a lot of times, right, they, they figure out how to, um, as an entrepreneur, you figure out how to start your business where you're kind of the person that's working in it, right, at first. And then you figure, uh, the, the, to me, what clicks with the real entrepreneur is that they say, how can I scale, mm -hmm. right? You know, and then that's what you did, right? <laughs> you said, yeah. now I'm going to have somebody that cleans the balls and have to, you know, delegating, right? And, and I definitely want to talk a little bit about delegating, you know, going on in the future. But, you know, just to spark it off, right? You know, I, I always talk about uh, data a lot. And I want to tie data to an entrepreneur mindset. Because a lot of times people are making decisions, you know, and they're not realizing that, okay, I'm I'm looking things up a lot, right? I'm 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 Googling things, right? How to become better. Um, or, you know, sometimes they're just going by history of data, right? So they're saying, okay, well, historically I know that I have experienced XYZ. So now I'm making these decisions going forward because that's kind of historical data. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just it's, it's historical data. And so how do you use data to kind of fine tune the business decisions that you made going forward? You know, uh, for me, I think about when it comes to decision making. Right. Timing is pretty essential. Right. You know, I, I've done a lot of studies on it, uh, even with my doctoral degree right now. I'm studying, you know, some of those business decisions that people are making. Right. And studies show that businesses kind of miss out on the full return of investment. Right. When it comes down to uh, thinking fast enough. Right. Mm -hmm. now, how do you think fast enough? And, and data helps you kind of think faster than than usual. So if I Google something, I can figure it out and I can make a decision on it. Right. Um, and in my business, I've done things like I've honed in on some of the data and the tools and all that stuff. I don't have the entrepreneur mindset that you have right so i have to so i have to kind of use a lot of tools and stuff in the past you know but but how do you how do you use to uh data to kind of uh, deal with your business decisions that you've made in the future yeah I, I like the fact this is gonna be weird to say but i like the fact that i'm on this podcast because you and i are very different from a data perspective like me as an entrepreneur i might be able to help bridge the gap here a little bit because data was hard for me to understand or even know how to get like when we first launched podmatch I didn't know what to do. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Now, you, on the other hand, you probably have been like, here's the data points you need to hit. I oh, wasn't wow. sure. Like, I, I just, like, I knew we needed something. And mm -hmm. so what I'd like to share for early entrepreneurs, like, if they're just getting started with something, I, I end up calling it manually collected, manual, sorry, manually collected and evaluated data. So, like, mm -hmm. it was me doing it, like, at a manual process. What I mean by that is anyone who signed up that was willing, this was, like, right when we launched, there was a few hundred people within the week that we launched or something like that. Any of them that were willing to jump on a call with me, just like a Zoom call, 15 minutes, I was taking that opportunity. And mm. when they jump on a call, I would ask them the same four questions. And now I, I don't quite remember those questions, but I know that they were really, I did a good job with the questions. You know, like they were very, I was drawing data from the questions. But what I did is I built an Excel spreadsheet. Now, although I'm not a data guy, I'm actually really good on Excel. So I built uh -huh. a really nice spreadsheet to document each of these things and put their name in, like all that. And basically what I just did is, like there was days like dapper data get this man there was one day i did 25 calls in one day oh, dude, that's probably dude, a lot of dude i was <laughs> burnt out at the end of that day and it was a friday dude i was like i ended like 6 30 i was like i i need to go to bed like i don't know what to do like i am done but like i wanted to get as much of this data as we could and the reason for that is because we need to know what to do next 
I think a lot mm-hmm. of people when you launch the company, you're like, okay, what, what do we do? Like, do we just keep on letting it grow? What do we build? And there's something, especially with software, that's called like a roadmap. I guess anything has yeah. really a product roadmap. So I needed to know what the roadmap looked like. So what I did is that when I had that Excel spreadsheet, I think I probably had 100 people on that. And I just started organizing it, categorizing it, building buckets. Okay, like this 35 people said this same thing. And what we were yeah. able to do with that is figure out what the market wanted. Because we had enough people that we were able to figure out, and 100 is a good baseline, I like to believe. So we had 100 yeah. people, data from them. It was manually c- collected, and then I evaluated it manually as well. But we were able to say, you know what? 75% of them said this same thing could be improved. Let's work on that next. So we built the roadmap not off of what we were thinking. We did it off of real data that people gave us. And it's what got us successfully from an alpha of our product, which just means it's like super early on, like no logo, all plain text, to a beta that we launched to thousands of people. And what bridged that gap was simply this data uh, generation that I was doing, but it was completely manual. So for entrepreneurs out there who are like, man, I'm, I'm not quite like Dapper Data, like and knowing like what he knows, this is a manual way to kind of bridge that gap. And it really served us well. No, that's awesome because a lot of people don't understand how important I always say that everybody's a data scientist, right? Hmm. You know, they use the broad term data scientist, right? We but don't have your degree though, man. We, we, don't, we don't all have your degree though. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing, right? I have like the credentials that show it, but there's so many people that are doing like consumer driven data decisions, right? I took a digital marketing course uh, probably about, I don't know, it was like, it was, it was a, a six week course. And a lot of times we focused in on the fact that there's like a five phase process that consumers go through where they're actually using data to make decisions. So initially they're like, okay, I know that I want this specific product, right? So, so say it's a, a bunch of products to choose from. They're saying, oh, I, I wanna choose X, right? And they, and they know they wanna choose X because of the fact that they have had, had experience with X in the past, right? So they're like, I'm gonna go to the same thing eventually. I mean, initially, but then over time they do their research, right? They actually do their own research. So it's consumer driven because they're uh, consumer data driven research that they have. So they sit there and they actually do their own research and they might sway away because of like Yelp reviews or whatever it is, right? You know, to make different decisions. So consumers are starting to actually make their own decisions based off of their own data that they're collecting throughout time, right? If they want to put a wood bench out there by their uh, on their porch, you know, then they they actually research about five to ten different wood benches before they make a decision, and and so it's it's fascinating to me that people are starting to really do their own data science research and analytics, and they don't even know that they're really doing data yeah. science work, That's right? Interesting. You know? And what you've done. Is, is something similar, right? You sat there and said, I'm going to collect things, right? That's one of the ways that data scientists collect data is like surveys, right? I go out 100 people, 200 people, whatever it is, you know, and you kind of look at the, 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 the population, what makes sense, right? Maybe I need, if I'm specifically focusing on a, a area, then maybe I don't need that many people, like podcasts, right? You know, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily need a million people to to study, right? I only need right. maybe a hundred people, and I can get a good analysis of it. Um, but if it's something like changing the school systems worldwide or something like that, that I need different schools, different students, need a lot. I need teachers, <laughs> I need a lot of data to collect, you know. And so that's that's amazing that you actually have done data science work, <laughs> and, and wasn't even a data scientist. 
it was a lot of work, man. <laughs> it was a lot, but we learned a lot. I mean, I learned a lot from it. My business partner was able to, he's the technical co-founder, which we'll talk about him probably in a little bit here, mm -hmm. but he was able to do something with the data and that's what mattered. Like me, I knew that I needed to collect it as difficult as it was to collect, but I knew right. as an early stage entrepreneur, I wasn't going to have him deviate from building the software to build something to collect data. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go do it manually. Like it's all I've got. I'm just going to go right. for it. So, and it served us really well. Like, as you know, like you're using the result of it today. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it's amazing, right? You know, so, so uh, we talk about entrepreneurship, right? And, and just keeping in that same energy. Uh, what are some of the main habits that every entrepreneur needs in order to succeed on these habits? Right. That we talk about. Right. And and that, that you have learned over. Have you learned those things over time or have you studied them? You know, uh, that, that's I think that's important to understand because a lot of entrepreneurs back in the day, right before data was uh, this big buzzword, um, I think they still studied and 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 um, and learned them over time through experiences, right? Exposure and things like that, you know? But what are, uh, from your point of view, what are some of the main habits that every entrepreneur needs in order to succeed? Yeah, when I was thinking about your audience specifically, Dapper Data, mm -hmm. I was thinking that there was somebody that had like a great framework for this. So I did not make up what I'm about to share. These are actually from Brendan Bruchard. He, mm -hmm. had a book, he has a book called High Performance Habits. And he talks about six habits that every entrepreneur needs. And mm -hmm. I'm, so I'm just going to list those off real quick. So seek clarity, generate mm -hmm. energy, raise necessity, increase productivity, develop influence, and demonstrate courage. Mm -hmm. And so those are like the six things he talks about, which I think really go well to what we're talking about here. And I had to learn these, man. Like th that book helped me a lot. And for a long time, like when I was really becoming myself as an entrepreneur, like I did a lot of personal development when I was thinking mm -hmm. about seeking clarity, which is that first one, like I was good at getting clear on the objective. Like that was, that was somewhat easy for me because I like to talk to people. I'm empathetic. Mm -hmm. So I was able to like learn that stuff, generating energy. Like again, talking about that day, I did 25 calls. Like I had to learn how to generate energy. So like, I know I, I drink a lot of water and that's really, that's all, all right. I drink. I make sure to exercise. I get my eight hours of sleep. So I was able to generate energy. So I'm like reading this book thinking I'm a star, you know, and they get to raise necessity. I'm like, this is a requirement. Like I got to do it. I'm passionate about these podcasters. I want to serve them. And I was like, I'm right, still right. right, right on the money. And we're talking about increasing uh, productivity. I'm a very productive type A person. I hope we get the opportunity to talk about that a little bit today. Uh, and then, so that, that was very natural for me and then developing influence. Like I was doing my best to do what we're doing right now, getting on calls, developing influence with people. So I was five for five. I'm like, I'm good. And the last thing was demonstrate courage. And that one right there that he shared, I was like, that's the one that I'm really struggling with. I wasn't courageous enough as an entrepreneur. I'd mm. get all the data, I'd collect it all and still be so nervous that I wouldn't take action. And as mm. you know, data without action is worthless, right? I mean, like it doesn't mean anything yeah. if you're just sitting on it. And I was the guy who was sitting on it. And so yeah. when, he, when he said demonstrate courage, that's what I knew I had to start taking some action, man. And that's like what really changed the boat, like the game for me is because I started just taking action. If it didn't work, I apologize and I come back and try again. But I'm telling right. you what, like something that made me a really good entrepreneur was, was this book, High Performance Habits by Brendan Bouchard. So give him credit. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure you got something to add there, man. But those are kind of the six things I think that really stand out. No, I like that, you know, um, and, and, and like the data without action is probably the most impactful. I would even say for me as well, because a lot of times, uh, and if you go through the data science process, right, you know, you're, you're ingesting data, you're, you're, you're playing around with it, trying to figure out how does it impact you, right? You, you broke it down in the Excel spreadsheet, you're, you're analyzing, you're trying to figure it out. And then 
the end user, the, the person that really cares about data, they don't care about those Excel spreads. They, they don't care about the statistics, right? They don't care about all the numbers and stuff that's in there. They want these pretty charts and graphs, right? At the end of the day. And, and that helps them be able to analyze it. But at the end of the day, how do you take action on that, right? You know, you can have all the data in the world, but how do you make a decision, right? You have to make the decision at the end of the day, right? Those are the, the real entrepreneurs who are out there making the decision. Um, and I think one thing that kind of hit me was which, with what you said was failure, right? You know, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, uh, I don't know if you specifically said failure, but I caught that in there. For me, it was as an entrepreneur, um, you know, when you're making some of these decisions, you you can fail, you know, over time and and it's OK. Right. But but now you have you have to uh, continue and make and, and make other decisions as well. Uh, and. And when I look at like data, when I look at data, data actually helps you. I want to say fail less. I don't know if that's the right word, but but fail less. It, it supports the decisions that you're trying to make. So you feel confident in the decisions that you're trying to make because you have the data to kind of back you, right? Yeah, it lets you make a calculated risk instead of just a random risk, right? Like, right, and I'm right. all about that. Like, yeah, sure. Like, I, I used to be scared of failure. I'm still a little bit scared of it, so I always calculate. But I think that's just wise, right? Like, right. you know, you don't, you don't want to. Here, here's the thing. Like, think about the people who do like the crazy stunts. You know, like they they drive. I don't know, like a car over fifty cars, they <laughs> right. jump the Grand Canyon. You know, like those type of things. That's a risk. <laughs> But it's so calculated that basically people are like, if you're doing exactly this, it's going to work. Like it's they're not just like just go full speed and see what happens. Like no one right. does that. They but have we look different to. in our businesses sometimes or in our own lives. Like you got to take a calculated risk, and that's what data helps you with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the perfect word for calculated risk. You know, because like you said, jumping over the fifty car, I'm pretty sure they have studied the data behind it. Yes. You know, to be able to make that decision to say it's fifty cars, not fifty one, because fifty one right. might might end you. 50 might ng too. Who knows, right? But 51 is probably your best chance, right, to uh, to come through. And uh, for me, when I look at uh, me going through my entrepreneurial journey, you know, just talking about the habits, I think about like reading, right? I read a lot. I constantly, constantly read, right? How do I study uh, to become better? Um, and sleep has really helped me out more. I actually. I hated sleeping because I felt like I was missing out on something, right? But I realized that the more sleep I got, I was more productive with the work that I was trying to do uh, going forward. And um, and being able to set boundaries and protect your time was key for me as well. You know, so those were some of the things that kind of that kind of hit me as an entrepreneur. But I really like that. What was the book again that you mentioned? High Performance Habits, Brendan Bruchard. High Performance Habits. Okay. Yep. All right. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to uh, check that out, you know. All right. So we're still on the entrepreneur topic. You know, I love it. You know, we're going, we're diving in deeper into it. And we're talking about how it relates to data, right? Data-driven decisions. And so this is super exciting to me because as an entrepreneur, I love entrepreneurship, but I also love data. And so tying it together, you know, it helps all of us and myself and my audience grow. Um, so I appreciate you doing this, Alex. Sure. Uh, so... When we look at entrepreneurship, right, as an entrepreneur, how do you manage your time, right? Time is important. Um, I'll give a, a something as simple as like getting a haircut, right? You know, I remember going to a barber and that barber shop, 
uh, it was my bar. He was he was great, right? You know, my hairline. I got older. My hairline started going crazy and stuff, right? So, so I I'm said, right there with you, man. Right there with you. <laughs> so I said, I need a barber that's going to just make sure that I am going to. He's going to be uh, create some type of magic, right? I need a magician. Right? So so uh, my barber that I stuck with, he was great. Right. Growing up, you know, I stuck with him since I was younger and he just knew my hairline. He knew everything was great. But I valued time so much. It was on weekends. Me and my son would go in there and we would spend probably about five hours in the barbershop. I mean, it would blow my mind. Right. That I scheduled an appointment for maybe 12 o'clock and I wouldn't leave out to about five or six o'clock. You wow. know, and so I was so pissed off. Right. One day I just I said I couldn't take it no more. Right. Because. Uh, he would let other people in front of you because it's just their their buddy and all that stuff like that. And they had such a packed environment. I thought that this is the best spot to go to because everybody's coming there. But in reality, it was because he didn't know how to manage time. Hmm. Right. And so I went to another barber that I knew where if you went to the barbershop, you did not have anybody sitting down. Right. You were thinking, man, you know, he must not be popular. Right. Because. There's nobody in the seats and things like that. But what he would do is schedule 15 minutes before and 15 minutes after, 15 minutes after, because he said, hey, sometimes people are late and sometimes we get to talk in and, you know, he has to do a little bit more and stuff. So he scheduled 15 minutes after. But he still got paid more because he actually uh, charged a little bit more to account for that hour window just for an individual. Right. And so time management was important. So actually, I've been with him to this day. Right. Because time was important right and so from an entrepreneur standpoint you know i believe your schedule is your strength how do you manage uh your your time on a daily basis you know and have you learned that over time or studied it yeah this is something that i'm i'm type a personality like i'm pretty passionate about like my time and i've had to learn over over the course of my life to get better and better at that and first off, we mentioned sleep a few minutes ago. Like I don't, the first thing I do is, is make sure I get my eight hours of sleep. Like that has to happen because I used to be the guy who would get five because I wanted to get more work in a day. But I, I realized if I get eight hours of sleep, dude, I show up way better on everything yeah. I do. And there's a lot of, I mean, there's enough research that scared me into getting my eight hours of sleep. So I get eight hours uh -huh. of sleep, um, which a lot of people are like, whoa, how do you have that time? But here, here's how I live what I call a zero variability lifestyle. So um, this does not work for everybody, but I don't have any pets. I don't have any kids. I don't really have much responsibility. Like I live in a, a condo by choice right now because when we decided to start this business, I was like, oh, I wouldn't have to have a yard to worry about. This would be easier. So I don't. I have what I call, again, a zero variability life. So my mm -hmm. schedule Monday through Friday, I leave some flexibility on the weekends, but Monday through Friday doesn't change at all. Like I know when I'm going to wake up. I know what the first two hours of my day are. I know what the next hour and a half are. And I even eat on schedule. So I eat at 11, oh, eat at 1, I eat at 3, I eat at 5, I eat at 7, and at 9. Like I eat six times a day and I drink six 32 ounces of water bottles. Mm -hmm. Like I have it like right here. And I check that off throughout the day. Like again, I'm really like I'm OCD about what I do with my time. But mm -hmm. it's more than just that. You can't just have that much control over it and do nothing with it. Like you have to have a plan for that as well. So I mentioned the first two hours of my day, I know what I'm doing there. That's my morning routine. And there's a, quite a few things I do throughout that morning routine. But something that's really important is I go back over my, my why, my vision, my goals. Like I look at those things every morning and those are always changing. They're always adapting based off of where things are because uh, you can't set a goal and forget it. Like you've got to be willing to change and adjust. So I always make sure that I'm looking at it. It's up to date. And then from there, I set my intention for that day. So I'll plan, yes, the small things I have to do. Like, yeah, I have to take out the trash. Like, yeah, I have to empty mm -hmm. the dishwasher. Like those are, one of my, those are my chores that me and my wife decided <laughs> right. I would do, right? Like, 
Uh, but additionally, I look at what are the three most important things I need to do to drive my business forward? Mm-hmm. Not what are the 10 things that would help. It's the three most important things, the things that take the most self-discipline. So I look at those things and I have time blocks throughout the day that I won't let anyone schedule. And like they are, they're blocked out of my calendar. You can't use that time. And I make sure that I'm using that time to achieve those three things. And sure, some people are like, well, I've got like 10 things I got to do. I'm telling you, like if you can focus on the 20% that drives the 80% of results, because science mm-hmm. shows that that's true. Like what, what are the, the 20% of things you can do to drive the 80%? They're usually the most difficult, usually the least fun, and they mm-hmm. don't feel like they do a lot on a day-to-day. But I'm telling you, all of us as entrepreneurs, we way overestimate what we can do in a single day, but we way underestimate what we can do in a year. And if you're doing the three most important things to drive your business and get closer to your why, when you're doing those things every day, I'm telling you, you're going to get a lot closer in a year. So I make sure I'm really careful. Like that's, I build that in my morning routine and throughout the day I do those things. So I, I make that success plan part of my calendar, if you will. And that's mm-hmm. how I manage my time every day. And like I could dive into that for hours. We're not going to do that today. But yeah. I'm, just because it's something that I'm really passionate about and I see results because I get those three things done every day. And I just call my meaningful work. The most meaningful thing I can do today are these top three things. Right. And do you do you decide that the day before, a week before, or you know, do you you know, because some people say, okay, every Sunday I'm going to plan out my week, right? Or at the beginning of the month, the day before the next month starts, I'm gonna plan out my month, right? You know, for me, I had issues with planning out a month ahead, right? Because my 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 schedule can be so chaotic, right? Got kids and all that stuff like that, you know, and then you know, as you know, meetings and stuff could come up randomly, you know, you never know, right? Uh, so it could be chaos. Uh, do you typically kind of say, hey, I'm going to wait, I'm going to plan, I'm going to plan everything out maybe that Sunday or something like that? Or do you do it on a day to day basis, right? The night before? Yeah. So I actually do on a day to day basis. Every week I do a review. So I look at how my past week went and then kind of think about vision. So again, I'm going back over my why, my goals for that upcoming week. But I don't actually make anything specifically till the morning of that two hour time block in the morning, my morning routine. Part of that is setting my intentions for that day. But why that works for me is because I already have the time blocked out throughout the day to do them. I just have to decide what they are, and then the time's already there. Um, so that's how it works for me every morning. And this has been the best solution for me. I used to try it all at the beginning of the week, but the thing is, my what I'm doing, I'm in a startup. It's very variable. Like mm-hmm. by Tuesday, my whole plan can be ruined for the week. Right. So every morning is best for me just to wake up and say, okay, here's the three things I know from from 9:30 to 11, I can work on them. I know I can work on them again from 1:30 till three. And Mm -hmm. I can do one more hour at the end of the day before I call it quits and shut down my computer. So like, I I just know that I have those times to do that. And sometimes I can get all three things knocked out in an hour and a half window. And if that's the case, and I determine those are the three most important things, guess what? The rest of the day is a win. Like I can work on some smaller things or I can take some time off. But as long as those three things are getting done, I'm going to wake up in a year and have made a great amount of progress in what I'm trying to do. Now that's amazing because uh, what I take from that is that when you think about gratification, right? It's gratifying to know that you have these three things to accomplish. And when you accomplish those things, you feel like it's a success at the end of the day. Right. But when you list, say, like 20 things right the day before and you're like, I got to do all these things. And then you sit there and you're scratching off some stuff. You might get five. Right. You might get three. You might get two. Right. Because it's a variable. Right. You know, it's so chaotic. You never know what you're actually going to get done at the end of the day. Um, and you're kind of uh, you're not doing yourself justice. Right. You know, the reality is that you can't control some of the things that impact that. And 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 so at the end of the day, you might get five out of the 20 and you're not feeling like it's a success. Right. Because you're thinking, man, I didn't accomplish everything that was on this list. 
And so instead, now you're like, now what you're doing, what you're doing is is making sure that you're like you have this gratification at the end of the day as well. So now you feel like, man, I've accomplished something. You know, I made my bed in the morning, right? You know, I right. did this, you know. And so something as simple as that, you give those three things that you need to accomplish, right? And that's your goal for that day. At the end of the day, as long as you accomplish those three three things, everything else can be like advantage, like just added on, added value. Right, you know, so that's yeah, man. You know, hundred percent with what you're saying right there. Here, here's the thing: like, I'm I'm addicted to checklist. I'll just call it how it is. If mm -hmm. I do something that took some task for me that wasn't written down in my to do list, I will write it down just so I can check it off. And I'm not exaggerating, being transparent here. A lot of people mm -hmm. laugh when I say that, but like yeah. that that's true. That's how I am. But here's what I used to do: I just put everything on one checklist and just make it go down a row. And what I find, and I think happens to most of us, is we we will naturally we'll just get the easiest things done. But the problem is, we hit the end of the day and we didn't do the most important things. And when you don't do the most important things, when you look over a week, month, quarter, year, you didn't actually accomplish anything meaningful because we were stuck in the busyness of that day. And that's right. why for me, I block out the time to say, no, these three most important things are going to get done. Sure, I might have 10 other things on my to-do list that I want to get done today, but if they don't, as long as I got these three done, then I'm okay and I can go to sleep and I can try again tomorrow. Uh, that's, that's dope. That's, that's awesome right there. You know, and that's, and I'm telling you, if, if this audience does not get anything from that, you know, the schedule is a strength, right? You know, yeah. when it comes to entrepreneurship and that routine, you, it reminds me of like the rock or something, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm not waking up super early. He wakes me like three, dude. I'm not doing I that. <laughs> I don't know if we can do that, you know, but, I'm um, out. <laughs> but yeah, you know, even going to bed, you know, at a certain time, things like that, some, that eight hours of sleep, right? You know, nobody really tries to grab that, you know, and I remember, reading i couldn't remember who it was it was somebody from way way back before our time um they they talked about how they would sleep so many hours throughout the day because all they needed was about six hours of productivity and they would be so productive within that time that they changed the world they made a difference in the world you know mm. because they were able to do that and so i have to find that uh that article that i read i don't know if it's gandhi or something like that i don't know somebody that that's interesting uh, i'd like to see that when you find it let me know yeah i'll definitely find that you know so all right we're still sticking on entrepreneurship relating it to data and things like that what are some of the key characteristics that you see right of a successful entrepreneur right you know have you learned those things over time have you studied it you know uh, we talked about we we look at things like decisiveness right risk tolerance uh, those are the things I think about when I think about entrepreneurship. I think about persistence, right? Consistency is key because when I look at entrepreneurship, I think, okay, um, I'll, I'll put it really very simple. Um, say I'm say I'm going to the gym, right? I go to the gym uh, and I decide, okay, I want to lose weight. I want to be in shape and I want to be uh, really focused in on the gym. And I decide, okay, I'm going to go every day of the week. Well, is that realistic, right? Can I be persistent? Can I be consistent with that? Probably not, right? That probably would, that probably would uh, be good for me probably for about, maybe about uh, three weeks. Maybe I can go to, go to the gym for three weeks every single day um, and do 40 minutes an hour, you know? But consistently, I know I can do three times a week. Um, I can do it uh, for 45 minutes, you know, max maybe. And I'm in and out, right? It keeps my energy, it keeps my focus, and things like that, you know. And I'm not wasting my time because I have a lot going on. And so 
that's why I think that is important. I think adaptability is important, right? You know, you never know what's coming, right? You are, you already were talking about how, you know, with a startup, you're out there. You don't know if, you know, at eight thirty, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to eat my breakfast. I'm going to do this and that, you know. But next thing you know, you have a meeting that popped up because it could be worth uh, your time. And and so, what are some of the key characteristics of a successful entrepreneur that you see? Yeah, I mean, I love the ones that you just shared. I mean, consistency is the top of the list for sure. Yeah. But but I'll, I'll share three. I have three of them that are that are different than the ones you just shared, just so we get some mm-hmm. variety here. Because I think what yeah, you just shared, yeah. like, man, you took the good ones. I'm just kidding. <laughs> those, are like, those are like the top of the top, man. Those are great. I mean, starting with the consistency. That that again, that is absolutely key. But uh, I think one of the things is I'll say a con- a, a continuous review and adjustment of their why, so the entrepreneur's why, their passion mm-hmm. and their goals. So all those things that kind of combine, continuous, re, continuously reviewing these things. I don't mean every day, like, I, yeah, sure, I review my vision every week. Some people do it monthly, quarterly, but more than yearly, because the problem I've noticed with some entrepreneurs that leads them to not be successful is they're good at focus, but their focus isn't good. So what I mean by that is that they're good at being focused, right? They're like, they get it, but they're, they're so heads down on something that they fail to step back and say, okay, let me review why I'm doing this. Let me review my passion, make sure the goals are still in the right way. So I, my advice is for entrepreneurs to step back and take a look at that and do that on a regular basis. I think that if people can learn to do that, they do really well. The next thing I'll mention is a willingness to try, a willingness mm-hmm. to fail, a willingness to stop when you're wrong and to course correct. Mm-hmm. I think many of us, we get so nervous because we live in a world that we, I don't know why, but we feel like we can't make a mistake. And we do, yeah. we feel like if we make a mistake, people are going to judge us or be upset. And maybe that is true. It's just super unfortunate. And it really is. As entrepreneurs, we have to be willing to say, I'm going to step out and I might fail. Or I need to just say, I'm going to stop this because it's not working. I need to be willing to course correct when something is going the wrong way. The willingness to do that and to step out in that faith, again, that goes back to like courage, like we talked about a little while ago. I think that's a really important one. And the last one I'll mention is just to be empathetic. People who are great entrepreneurs, they look to solve problems for other people. You can't solve someone's problem if you don't know what their problem is. And you can't know their problem if you're not empathetic toward them to understand their struggle, what they've gone through in their life, what that feels like to be them. Because so many of us, like a lot of entrepreneurs I meet, they are super high level. So they'll meet people that struggle with something that is like a joke to them. You know, oh, like some people right, like, right. <laughs> like their car breaks down. The entrepreneur's like, dude, just go get a new car, send it here and get it fixed. Oh, and the other people are oh, like stressed oh. out for weeks. It's a lack of empathy when we do that, man. Yeah. So like, I think that those are the three things that I would share. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's awesome. You know, and a lot, a lot of things is, um, well, well, one thing I took from that is like taking a step back, right? You know, taking a step back and those three things can occur, right? A lot of times we're so fast paced, right? We're trying to move all the time. We're like, go, 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 go. You know, but in order to solve those three problems, a lot of times you have to take a step back and smell the roses and be able to make it about the person that you're trying to solve the problem for. Right. You know, um, that empty thing is key because it's not about you anymore. It's about them. Right. You know, every time you come up with this great product and just like Podmatch, right, Podmatch is it, that took somebody saying you. Right. And, and, and your and your partner saying, hey, look, let's take a step back. Right. And let's listen to what the problems are of the people that are dealing with these podcasts. Right. A lot of times that was a major problem for me. I have to manually reach out to guests. Right. Now you're saying, look, you don't have to manually do it. You put in all your description. Right. You you put everything into your profile and then you have the data behind it. You have the machine learning and the algorithms behind it, whatever the AI behind it. To be able to say, look, I'll find somebody for you. I'll match you up, right? 
and I'll match you up and you can decline it and then it'll become better right over time, right? I'll match you up, you can accept it, it'll become better over time. And and so you just solve a crazy problem, right? That a lot of entrepreneurs that are podcasters out there, because you said, I'm, I care about you. I care about the, the manual process that you have to go through right. right to be able to do that, right? So taking that step back has been key. Um, okay, so final, final question, right? And um, and this is, I think, what the what the audience probably really wants to know. For me, it's I, I really want to, maybe I'm just being selfish, you know, <laughs> how did you decide on an AI data-driven podcast? You know, how did, what made you say, man, I'm going to do this. Did it click over time? Did it, did it just click, you know, and you saw the problem? I mean, what, what happened? <laughs> you know, I'd like to, I wish I had some sort of like crazy explanation. Now, Jesse, if you were talking to him, my co-founder, he's the technical co-founder mm -hmm. and what we're doing is a team effort. He would have a much better answer to this question than I would. But for okay. me, I just, when I started thinking about what we were doing, I just couldn't think of a better way to do it. I'm like, we could do it manually for people, but, and then I was like, we're just a service. Like we will need to hire staff. We can only do so much. I'm like, there's got to be a way that the system can figure out what people want and help them with it. And mm -hmm. thankfully, again, Jesse was there and he's able to design that. But really what it came down to is I, I found that area of passion, which was podcasters as a podcast host myself having the same problem. So I mm -hmm. found the problem after that. So I started with passion problem then offered a solution to it. And then we got a community involved. And as I was gathering again, that data on a very manual level, we were able to say, hey, this is what they're looking for. And from there, we realized, you know what? We need to make this thing automated for these people so they don't have to wait any longer because listen, when a podcast host needs a guest, they need a guest. And when a guest is ready to like promote a book or something they have like a new service they have coming out, like they, they need it now, not in three weeks when we can get around to helping them. And that's really what drove that. And again, I give Jesse, my co-founder, full credit to that. Uh, we're a team. I focus on this type of thing. And he really focuses on developing that software. And thankfully, uh, he's built something pretty smart at this point. So um, I, again, maybe not the technical answer you're looking for, Dapper that. Data, but that's, that's, where I, that's where I come from, man. No, I'm big on uh, business. I'm big on uh, focus outside of the technical aspect, you know, and I know all, a, a majority of time is not really a a technical um, aha moment, right? It's, it's, it's kind of like this business decision where you're saying, I'm solving this problem uh, for an individual, right? You know, we, we interact with people all the time and there's so many problems to be solved. And what you all did was say, hey, look, you know, this is a problem that that I'm I'm seeing right. You collected the data. You were able to make decisions based off of that, and that's great. You know, so yeah. To yeah, actually add to that real quick, the uh, mm -hmm. real fast here, we actually figured out like while we we're collecting all that data that there's 40 different pieces of a criteria. It might it might actually be 39, but I always just say 40. It's a round number. There's basically 40 different things we take into account with a guest and a host to determine if it's a good match. And that's what oh. we built in by learning that. So again, I don't know the technical side of how all that works necessarily. We would yeah. need Jesse for that. But I do know that as we were collecting data, that's what we decided we could use to match. So it's things like, obviously, first and foremost is language. Like, yeah. if you speak different languages, it's not going to work, right? It's not a match. But then it just goes down from there. It goes to availability. If you have like a gender-specific podcast and then it only finds that gender, all mm -hmm. types of things like that. Like it just kind of breaks it down from like ranks yeah. from 1 to 40, basically, or 39. And yeah. that's, that's the data we were able to collect. And that's what Jesse was able to do something with. And now the machine runs that for us, which I think that's is awesome, something man. gets you pretty excited, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you know, it, it gets me excited you know, because I'm pretty sure he used something that we call like sentiment analysis or maybe, maybe, or maybe not, you know, where big words, big words, yeah, not for yeah. me, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe something like that. So I would love to, I mean, maybe we can behind the scenes, you know, I can, I would love to communicate with him just to figure out, I love talking to people just to have, 
and understanding how people's mind work, right? Yeah. To be able to come up with something great, you know. And so, you know, I would definitely love to uh, to pick Jesse's brain when it comes down to it, you know. For because, sure, yeah. I can make um, that introduction. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. You know, I mean, the way I look at it is you have you have a lot of data that's out there, right? You think about Twitter data all the time, right? And you can actually have sentiment analysis on that. You know, you can figure out what people want based off of some of the stuff you just said, right? You know, you, you're formulating that criteria, you know, those 40 different things that people want language, gender, things like that, you know, all these different demographic uh, uh, things, you know, so that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, man, let's do that, man. But all right, cool. So so as everybody knows, right, in the audience, I usually end with some type of dope nugget at, at the end of the day, dope data nugget, you know, and again, Alex, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Um, it's been awesome uh, so far. And for me, and I think the audience, you know, just to uh, highlight some of the things I've learned, I think the audience have learned this too, is that learning from you, Alex, <clears throat> and this conversation, you know, there there is a data analysis approach to business opportunities, right? And and people tend to think that they're not involved in that approach, you know, because they think data analysis, you think you're the most, you have to be very technical. Data science, you got to be very technical, you know. But as you said, you know, you've actually collected data, done survey, one thing. I mean, that's that's what you do in a dissertation, right? For your doctoral program, right? You're sitting there, you're collecting research. You can do uh, focus groups, you can do uh, uh, Excel spreadsheet to collect um, to collect surveys, you know, whatever it is, right? And and so it's just all collecting data to help you come up with this theory or this product or make decisions, you know. And so what you've done is this data analysis approach, you know, to business opportunities and evaluations of your next venture that you created. And and people can do that too. Everybody out there in the audience can do the same thing. You know, it just takes time, right? You know, and it takes dedication, it takes decisiveness, it takes strategy, you know. But uh most importantly, what we found out, right, is consistently consistency is is something that's important, you know. Um so yeah, I appreciate you being on a podcast. Is there anything, any nugget that you want to share with the audience? Yeah, man, I got a, I got a dope data nugget to share. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll go on the opposite side. So I'm going to go to the entrepreneurship side because I think you covered the data side really well. Mm -hmm. And it, when I'm thinking about data, the, the goal is often perfection. Like when it comes to a computer, like it's pursuing that at least. It's going after like some ultimate result to be able to, to give. And that's super non-technical. Sorry, man. But um, <laughs> no. that's got, got my thoughts here. But if you think about behind the machine, we have the human, we have the entrepreneur that's building something. Mm -hmm. And for us personally, we cannot be focused on becoming perfect ourselves or comparing ourselves to somebody else. We can't look at, I can't look at Dapper Data and be like, man, I wish I knew more about data like him. All I can do is look at myself and say, is there a way that I can become better than I was yesterday? Think mm -hmm. about 1% every day as an entrepreneur. And there's a, a quote that I love, which is, I'm not there yet, but I'm closer than I was yesterday. Right. And I think for all of us, we just have to be focused on that. So sure, start building a, a continuously improved product or service that you offer, but you yourself, just focus on being better than the person you were yesterday. Think 1% better every day. And I think it really serves entrepreneurs well. That is excellent, Alex. You know, I almost want to end it with that <laughs> because it was so good. You know? That's what I meant. So as everybody knows, you know, I've started this thing called Overrated Underrated, right? It's a fun game that I like to play. I actually uh, took it from Gary Vee. So shout out to Gary Vee, a motivational speaker. Um, and, and basically what I do is I ask when I have a guest on the podcast, I say, hey, look, you know, um, I list about five, uh, seven things and I say, hey, 
you know, uh, do you think it's overrated or underrated or you think it's maybe in between or right where it needs to be, right? You know, so I want to ask you these things, right, Alex? I'm going to list you, list an audience, right? He does not know what I'm asking, right? So he gets to decide and you can explain your reason behind it if you want to uh, or if not, right? You cool. Know? All right, cool. All right. So I'll start off something simple, uh, cheese. <laughs> I'm going to say overrated because I never feel good after I eat it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I probably never feel good either, but I don't care because I love cheese so much. See, me, me too. Say, well, charcuterie out, boards, man. That's where it's at with some wine. But I, I'm just always like, after I'm like, oh, man, my stomach hurts. Yeah, you know, I'm yeah. tired now. So it's probably overrated in my book. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I get it. All right. Um, social media. Uh, I think it's overrated for me, at least. Maybe I'm just not great at social media, but uh -huh. I've never like had much traction on social media, which is weird for a guy who's an entrepreneur and runs a business. I know, but uh, to yeah. me, it's a little bit overrated. Yeah, yeah, but but that's cool though because if you think about it, a lot of people think, man, social media is out there. I must be on social media to be able to create this great thing now, and you know, and everything. But you're creating something that's great, and you're not on social media, right? But sometimes you have to delegate, right? All right, you know, you got to be yeah. there. So and I, I do delegate. Aside from, I will say this, I think that LinkedIn is underrated and that's where I spend most of my time. I, I like agree. LinkedIn a lot. I just don't care for the rest of them. So I've actually delegated the rest to team members and I just log in when they're like, hey, you have a comment or you have a message you need to reply to and they just tell me when that is uh, on my team. But yeah, but I, I personally, I like LinkedIn. That's where if I, that one, that one I'd say is underrated, the rest overrated in my book. Yeah, yeah, no, it's funny because Gary Vee, all he talks about, he's been talking about it for two years, maybe three years. He's been saying, if you don't go on LinkedIn, you're crazy. LinkedIn is like the number one social media platform right now. He believes that everybody, if they want to prosper and be successful, right, in their career, they need to be on LinkedIn and trying to figure out how to do it, right? I mean, they're adding everything, lives, they're adding yeah. everything that all these other platforms are going for, but it's more professional, right? Yeah. It's more focused in on growing your business, you know? So, yeah, man, I'm with you with that, man. All right, skydiving. You know what's funny, man? I did 15 years in the aerospace industry. We worked on skydiving planes. Like we built parts for them. I have never been skydiving in my life. What? I'm what, gonna... do you, what do you mean? I, was, I... I just knew you skydived, man, because of your history. <laughs> no, I, I, that, that was a good question. I have not, so I don't know. But I hear it's the most amazing thing ever. So I'm, I don't, I don't know, man. It's probably underrated. Yeah, yeah. Are you gonna try one day? I don't know. You know, my thing was like we were building the things to keep the planes flying. I'm like, why would I jump out of one? Or at least that was my excuse because I was probably scared to do it. But uh, I don't know, man. We'll see. You know, if my wife says, hey, I really want to go skydiving, I would say, let's do it. But other than that, I'm probably out. Okay. Okay. You heard that. You heard that, wife. This is <laughs> Alicia, if you're listening. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. So the printer. The, like the, the, the print like printing, printing something, right? Because I always think nobody really does a lot of printing anymore, right? You know, because they're always like signing stuff and maybe just, you know, you can sign it and do it through Adobe or whatever it is, you know. Um, but some people are still like, oh, I got to print everything out, right? And some people are saying, well, you know, I don't even use a printer anymore. I probably use a printer literally twice a year. I don't know about you, but for me, with all the stuff I do, whether I'm an entrepreneur, whether I'm working for a company, whatever it is, I rarely use a printer, you know. So, what do you think about the printer? So, if it's a printer scanner, then it's underrated because here's the thing: I need about I need it about once a month, 
And right now, I'm like a super organized person, so I don't have like my desk is completely clean, but I have a stack of papers sitting in the corner <laughs> over here that I need to scan into something, and I don't have a way to do it. So I'm going to go ahead and say they're underrated, the, the printer <laughs> scanner, because I actually need it once a month, and I don't, I don't have, I have a printer, but it's like a little junky printer with no scanner on it. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I just need to buy one because I need it once a month. So underrated. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Um, uh, sports. Oh man, it just that one depends. It's too general for me. Give me a, give me a certain sport maybe or something like okay, that. Okay, I'll give you two sports. Um, soccer. I'm gonna say underrated in America, especially soccer is actually my main sport that I play. Love it. I think it's so mm -hmm. much fun. And anytime I get someone to watch it, they're like, "This is the coolest thing ever." So uh, yeah. underrated, I'd say. I love soccer. I didn't love it until I started uh, traveling. So I own a restaurant in Ghana and in, in Africa and across. Oh, cool. I out there like uh probably about two three times a year right i try to go out there and that's when i started really diving into soccer right because you think about it out, outside of the u.s right that's when it's really big right in other countries and so um i love it now right you ghana? <laughs> did you say ghana yeah ghana yeah that's yeah. cool you know i i played in a uh, i was a team captain in a local league here in town and it was a refugee league so i had people from all over the world and we had a team from ghana that would blow your mind how good they are like oh, they rush we didn't get a single we played them we didn't get a single goal they must have scored like eight or nine goals like just destroyed us i'll never oh, forget man. or forgive them but uh <laughs> small world anyway sorry continue <laughs> no no that's interesting that's interesting you know because um i never got a chance to see some of the leagues and stuff because i'm always going out there for business and then mm -hmm. maybe just checking out some of the cool things you know but i never got a chance to say hey, let me check out their soccer team and the team to travel and things like that so no, that's 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 great. That's that's pretty cool, you know. All right, so uh, Amazon. Um, I'm so indifferent on it. I think that it's probably. I don't know, man. That was a tough one. That like pulls my heartstrings a little bit. Probably <laughs> underrated because it can do almost anything. We don't use it for its full capacity. Most people right. do at least. Like I just started getting books from Amazon, and mm -hmm. they it's like the the print on demand stuff. Like it's cheap for people who want to be authors now. Like they don't need to print twenty thousand copies. I don't know. It's right. probably underrated. In all honesty, I know no one wants to hear that, but it, it probably is. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. You know, there's some things that a lot of us have not even tapped into with Amazon. They offer it, right? You know, they start off with like books, right? And and yeah. so, you know, I'm sitting there. I'm I listen to their Audible books. I listen. I, I probably I have Amazon Prime. I listen to Prime movies. You know, I I uh, I I mean, I have about five Alexas in my house. You know, and <laughs> And I don't even have that many rooms or something, you know. So, right? yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> so funny. it's like, why do I have Alexa here? I just need two of them just in case. You know, I don't you're know. a data guy, so you'll know about this. But most people don't even know what AWS is. It, oh, like the, the, the data side of like the, their data. Like when we launched Podmatch, that's what we built on initially. Like we use their servers because it's the yeah. only one that that works in a great pricing model for someone starting up. And most right. people don't even know that that exists with Amazon. Like, so was, I'm like, oh yeah, AWS is like the majority of their business. Yeah. People are like, huh, what's that? I mean, it's yeah. their hosting, man. They host new startup companies really well. So yeah. I stick with it, man. I think they're a little underrated still, as much as I hate to say it. Oh, absolutely, man. You know, they're in this federal space as well. They have their own AWS in the federal space. And so they mm. host a lot oh. of uh, those 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 uh, apps and things like that. And, and, that. and even outside, yeah, like AWS in the commercial space, like you're saying, I mean, I always advise everybody, if you're trying to build an app or whatever it is, just go ahead and store your data, get your servers and all that stuff like that from the cloud, right? And what better cloud to go to is Amazon, AWS. You have Azure, you have other ones, but Amazon has been there longer than all of them. And they market right. it longer and, they, and and so they have the support behind it. 
and it's just much better. You get somebody technical to kind of host you in that environment, you're good to go, man. You know, yeah. scale and all that stuff. So, and it's cheap. I mean, well, it's not cheap, but it's it's, it's more it's, affordable uh, than most. Exactly, 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 exactly. All right. So the last one I would say is um, is is I know you're gonna be biased to this podcasting. <laughs> man it is so underrated but you know i am biased to it but it is so underrated and here's why i say that i'm gonna give a little disclaimer here for it when uh -huh. we look at social media we think big numbers right like when you're looking at likes on pictures you're like wow it's got a thousand likes that's pretty good it's got ten thousand like that's pretty good or it's got 50 likes you're like yeah that's whatever here's the thing if you have 50 people listening to your podcast it's not just them scrolling past it. They're likely sitting around for the entire episode. They might be doing something productive, but in my yeah. mind, a podcast listener is the same as somebody sitting in a chair watching you on a stage. That yeah. to me has more power if you go dollar for dollar, like for like, listen for like. If you compare those things, they're not apples to apples. It's much more powerful than someone just scrolling past, tapping on your picture to say like and scrolling past it. It's somebody who is giving you their undivided attention for a long period of time. And here's something I know about people. They, they like to be around and they like to do business with people who they know, like, and trust. And podcast gives you the opportunity to de develop that relationship with somebody. Obviously, right. I'm passionate about this, so I'm going to say podcasting is still underrated. Yeah, no, I agree. And you actually just gave me so much information that I didn't even think about, right, as far as the value and the benefits of podcasting. So I appreciate that, you know. All right, so that's the end of the episode. You know, Alex, man, I really appreciate you being on. Um and the audience, you know, as always, I want to thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. This is your host, Dapper Data. As usual, you know, I like to bring on special guests. And today I brought somebody that probably has blown your mind. All right. <laughs> Definitely tune into them. You know, where can they reach you at, Alex? And is there anything that you're promoting right now, conference or anything like that, books? Yeah. So, uh, there's nothing I'm really promoting right now. We've got some cool things coming out, but you can find everything I do at creatingabrand.com. And that's also the name of my podcast, Creating a Brand. You can find everything I'm doing there. So just check that out. But the one thing I wanted to mention is actually about your podcast. Uh, I listened to episode, I believe it's 41 with Larry Fisher. And you guys, you guys dove deep on some data related stuff. Super, super valuable episode. So if your listeners have not heard that, but they're listening to this, go back and find episode 41 and check that out. It's really worthwhile. But other than that, man, that's really all I, want, all I wanted to mention. I just really appreciate you having me here today. Thank you. I appreciate that. I remember the episode that was the uh, where he was a C, he's the CEO of, um, of, of his company. And we talked about from an entrepreneur or business standpoint, you know, trying to figure out how data relates to data, data, uh, data driven decisions, you know, from an entrepreneur standpoint. So, yeah, I appreciate you shouting that out. You know, that was an excellent episode. Um, I actually got a chance to check out um, uh, uh, Chicago um after after you talked about it, so it was great you know so <laughs> that's sweet man that's really cool but yeah, yeah so all right well thanks a lot alex you know and and audience as always you know you can reach me at mr dapper data on social media platforms all the platforms um and my link in the bio will direct you to my podcast um and definitely subscribe 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 to uh, the data is my science podcast the link is in the bio as well uh, check me out on LinkedIn at Mr. Dapper Data or Bobby Roundtree. That's B-O-B-B-Y, last name R-O-U-N-T-R-E-E-E, -E -E, no D in there. And I also have a book that's out, right? And so definitely check that book out. It's a social media analytics book. Um, you can purchase it through LinkedIn as well through um, through the link that's there. So thank you for listening to today's My Science Podcast. And uh, peace. Talk to y'all later. Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. With your host, 
Dapper Data.